Well, I'd like you to stand, if you would, and read the scripture on the front of your bulletin, for it is the focus of this morning. And I call this the adventure of a lifetime. Would you read with me Micah chapter 6, verse 8? It's right on the front of your bulletin, and uh, this will be the focus of this morning. Are you ready? Here we go. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Would you pray with me? Lord, this is a mouthful, and only you can leap off the pages and into our hearts and begin to weave it into the fabric of our lives. Uh, This was not a history book intended to be um, for us to leave and say that was nice. Uh, You really intend for us to live this way. And uh, so show us what uh, your plan is for each of our lives through the scripture in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the adventure of a lifetime, uh, this being Advent, I thought this would be a good way to capitalize on that word Advent. It's an adventure of a lifetime. We all would want that. The advent, though, of Christ is what I'm challenging you, as well as Micah, is challenging you to consider. And so, um, may I ask you the question, uh, if you, uh, every one of us, I guess, enters life thinking, what would it be? What would be the greatest adventure of a lifetime? What would that mean to you? What would be your adventure? Would it be um, sports? Uh, Could it be flying, maybe racing a car, maybe skiing, Uh, maybe becoming the greatest techie in the world, Uh, maybe simply becoming a couch potato and eating more turkey and just getting so fat that you blow. That could be the adventure of a lifetime. I don't know. It seems that's the way a lot of people go these days. I'll just throw this in, by the way, from... Thanksgiving through New Year's, the average person in America gains between 7 and 10 pounds. And if you do that over a period of time, by the time you're 80, well, go figure. (laughs) That's a lot of extra pounds. Well, that could be your adventure. And for some, it might be just watching the Broncos win or lose. I have figured out that they can win or lose with or without me. It's an amazing thing. So uh, maybe, though, vicariously, you feel a need to have that adventure, to watch every game, to make sure somehow, someway, you'll be there just to get them over that edge. Well, good luck. Um, But Micah said whatever that adventure is, you might have noticed on the front of your bulletin, it should be good. Good. Well, the scripture says there is only one that is good, and that is God. But certainly, if we were to have an adventure, it would be good. Interestingly enough, and I'd love to have you read the book of Micah when you head home through the week. Through there, there are all kinds of prophetic statements about Christ. Messiah, Yahshua HaMashiach, the one who would come, the deliverer, the savior, the redeemer. It's really all there. Even Micah says that he would be born in Bethlehem. What's the chances of that? So Christ fulfilled all 300 prophetic statements about him. But the bigger issue of Micah is Micah is like a prosecuting attorney presenting God's case. He's presenting God's case to Judah and Israel. And he's presenting God's case that God himself is the author and perfecter of peace and justice. 
except you aren't. And he says uh, he addresses also as a prosecuting attorney where the nation of Israel and Israel and Judah has gone wrong. And it's also an admonition to you and me. He says we've gone wrong with respect to false prophets, P-R-O-F-I-T-S. We've gone wrong with respect to uh, false teaching and misrepresenting God. And uh, we have gone wrong by religious ripoffs. Sound interesting? Well, uh, I think it is. And as a matter of fact, I would think every person, regardless of what profession they pursue or what dreams God has given you, if God's left out of the picture, then you really are missing the greatest adventure. And so as we look at these three precepts, I call them three keys to the greatest adventure of a lifetime. We also see the person of Christ in all three so let me hit them with pictures, because I'm a visual guy. So the first is Christ to see. That is to act justly. But you and I, if you really want to be honest, we, we can't act justly. We don't even know what justice is. Our Supreme Court doesn't even know what justice is. Do they? And maybe you think they do. Well, they're in charge, so to speak. But man, left to his own demise, does not... No, or can he pull off justice? So right off the bat, we're in trouble. Are we not? Act justly. Except uh, as we attempt to act justly, as we attempt to perform, as we attempt to please, as we attempt to do what we think other people expect of us, that's the world in which you and I live. It's a world of image, and yet we're created in the image of God, but we don't seem to be caring about that much. We're in a rat race. Do you see the train up there? I got in a, a Lionel train when I was eight years old. Lionel. I, uh, I, my dad got it. It was probably an expensive train. It went just round and round. And, of course, as an eight-year-old, I, I immediately abused it. You know, you get the transformer jammer, full power. It goes right off the track. And finally, my dad took it away because he said, he's not ready for this train. But uh, my sister saved it. She saves everything. She's a pack rat. Her garage looks like, oh, man, you don't want to know. Anyway, that's why you don't like to go visit her. <laughs> um, personal information. Don't send this sermon, don't send this sermon to my sister. Um, she saved my train, and it was in the garage. And so uh, years ago, a friend on Foresight fixed the train and got it running after a long time and just sitting there getting rusty. He gave it to me for Christmas of a years ago, and it went just round and round, the Christmas tree. Maybe you've got one that does that. And I thought after Christmas, everything's packed up, but this is too cool of a train to pack away. So I ended up uh, thinking, well, I'm going to just keep it out. And as a result of keeping it out, I thought it was really kind of dull after a while, just watching it go round and round and round. thought to myself, well, that's kind of life, isn't it? It's a rat race, a repeat you know, every day. Like what happens? I thought, well, maybe there's a little creativity in life. Maybe it could go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, I can get at Caboose. All of you train lovers know where the Caboose is on Broadway. I can get a switch track. And that switch track will get me on another track. <laughs> and I can do all kinds of things. And it was like a liberated train, a freedom train. Well, it's the same picture that Micah is attempting to say to you and me. 
as he did to Israel and Judah, you guys are stuck. You're going round and round. You think you're doing the right religious things. You think you're pleasing people. You think you're pleasing God, and you're not even close. You need to get out of the rat race. You need to switch tracks, and you need to find this one called Messiah. You need to see him. Not what you've told been told about him, not all the preconceptions, not all the stereotypical things, because who would want Christ? Even Mahatma Gandhi said, who would, I, don't want, who, I would want to be a Christian until I saw Christians. And there's something, though, that God intended for to be attractive about our life. What was it that brought you to Christ? Didn't you see some people that had switched tracks? Didn't you see some people that actually had a love for Christ that was so incredible that you kind of thought to yourself, are they on drugs? Or you thought, is that real? If it's real, could I have that? That's what caught me. So, have you switched tracks? Because switching tracks means three things. One, it means that I become convicted of my sin. However you want to slice the gospel, this is critical. I have come to realize I am a sinner. I am out of harmony with God. I can't do anything to gain that. And I don't even know how to act justly. I thought I did. I remember in high school, we used to point our fingers at all the church people. Look at those hypocrites. Except I was one too. Except I didn't realize that they overtly were misrepresenting their God. But I was in contrast and contradiction with the things I thought were important. Oh, so it must mean we're all hypocrites. Good. We are. Now, that's the point of Micah. That's the point of saying, then what is it you're looking at? If you're looking at your life, you'll go in a rat race. But if you choose to switch tracks, which means conviction of sin, it also means conversion. I've changed, I've decided in my mind that I'd rather follow Christ, I'd rather have Jesus than everything else. So it's a conversion. It's a switch. I'm on a different track. I mean, that's what becoming a believer means. That's what Micah was challenging the people too. You are not even close to your God. You want him, but you are not willing to switch tracks. So switch tracks, and out of that comes a witness. That means to say that I am so drawn by his love, by his mercy, by his forgiveness, by this incredible gift that he gives me in spite of myself. Uh, why would I not want to then not only see him, but follow him, to grow in him. It's an advent. It's the beginning of a whole new adventure, a brand new adventure. Regardless of what I do professionally, this is big in anything I'm doing. So the first step to the adventure of a lifetime is to switch tracks. You have to ask the question, have I done that? Have I been convicted of my sin? Have I changed my direction? Have I, um, am I willing to express that. You don't have to be some Bible thumper. Just am I willing to tell other people as to what's happening in my life in Christ? Well, that's step number one, I guess, the key. Uh, and so the challenge here is um, trusting. That's a key. Simply trusting. You're going to trust in something, yourself, the world, uh, money. What about God? Trusting. 
Out of that comes the question, Lord, what does it mean? And I challenge you to ask that question. What does it mean to follow you? Not what other people tell me it means, but what does it mean? Well, that brings up the question, how do I find that out? Which takes us to the second point. And that is Christ to be. Here's another picture. It's kind of a reverse megaphone. If you look at it, you'll see Jesus is calling the megaphone. And uh, once we have switched tracks, he wants to call us to his life, not our life. And uh, so we see that the key to this is training. And uh, there are disciplines in the Christian life. There are disciplines when you play baseball, basketball, cheerlead. There's disciplines when you go to college and you get an education. There are disciplines in a business. Why would there not be disciplines in the Christian life? Well, I'll give you them. I use little letters to help me remember. W3S3PS. In fact, this is what it means to love mercy. Uh, Phillips Craig and Dean's song is Mercy Came A-Runnin'. Maybe that's a little dated, but great song. I could not find justice. I couldn't even do justice, but he says, Mercy Came (laughs) Runnin'. And there's a freedom in the way he sings that. Mercy is a magnet. Mercy is a drawing card. What is mercy? Mercy is God withholding the just penalty you and I deserve for blowing him off, so to speak, for choosing to go our own way, when in all reality he created us to enjoy life his way. So, however you want to slice it, it's mercy that draws us. And that's what Micah is saying. Love mercy. Embrace it as your best friend. So, here are the disciplines. W, the Word of God. Critical. Often uh, in the church, if you've been in it any time, people say, well, you better do this. You better study your Bible. You better have your verses memorized. If you want to get your award, if you want to get your Timothy thing. Um, and so we crank it out for our parents, for our, the preacher. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about memorizing, learning, meditating on the Word of God for survival. That's the only way I live. I I wouldn't make it through tomorrow or even today if I did not have the Word of God alive in me. That's the only way I survive. I, I don't know how you do. There is such a crazy world in which we live and so many distractions in life that I cannot not make it there. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, the Word of God. Well, that doesn't start right away, does it? So, let me give you the... uh, 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 There they are. Uh, Worship, the Word of God, and witness. I'll move on to the S. These are really interesting. Actually, Matt and Annika touched on them. We live in a world of noise. Ever think about a discipline of silence? The discipline of solitude? And uh, out of that would come service. Henry Nouwen says, there's nothing that conflicts more with the love of God than service to God. If you've been in the church any time, you'll know that you just get worn out. Everyone has their idea of what it means to be a Christian. 
And so we crank it out trying to reach that goal and we wear ourselves out and burn out. No wonder people burn out. What if we were refreshed by solitude and silence? Be still and know that I am God. Boy, that's going to be uh, quite a task from here through New Year's with all the craziness of the world. I challenge you to do that as well as myself. I'm not good at this. I don't know how to do this. I, I need to learn. And the P.S. Uh, is um, prayer and sacrifice. Actually, the biblical concept is uh, fasting, but we think only in the context of eating or not eating. But sacrifice is the bigger issue, and that has to do with what would I be willing to give up just to say thank you, Lord, that I love you and I care for you and I want to grow more like you. And it's usually something that's destructive in our life, like night snacking. And that's one of my biggies. Uh, you think that's comical, but it's not. I've brought it up zillions of times. I'm not talking about just having an apple after nine. I am talking about a half a gallon of ice cream. I am talking about a whole bag of potato chips. I'm talking about night snacking. <laughs> now, that's not good for me. And I don't seem to be able to get over this. But I have a new tactic that's beginning to work. And it has to do with sacrifice. And I'm saying now, Lord, tonight, and I'm going to have to say this tonight. I mean, I've screwed up a couple of times in the last week or two because I'm testing this theory. <laughs> but uh, I said, Lord, um, tonight I'm going to give it up. And I'm going to give it up for Tracy Code. Tracy is a, a gal who's 43, diagnosed with colon cancer. And uh, they removed it all, uh, but she's going to have the chemo. And it's scary because she went in thinking it was appendicitis. And you come out with this news, huh? So what I'm saying to you is, who is it that you would give it up for? Uh, I'm going to just say, I'm going to give it up tonight for Tracy. Um, but maybe you have something. Maybe it's, you know, a terrifically destructive habit. And we have a lot of those. I know all about them myself. Maybe you could simply say, I can't seem to beat this habit, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to say tonight or today or through this week, I'm going to give it up for whatever, for, for someone else. And um, out of that, you see the cylinder you enter, and it's wide. <laughs> but you are now being bounced off of two walls, the disciplines and if you haven't been taught that these are important in the Christian life, they're essential. So if you think you're not growing or you feel like you're wandering or stuck, it could be that you have not woven any of the disciplines, or maybe you had them and you lost them. See, what happens with the dotted line, and you bounce off these disciplines and you say, oh, these are great, I'm you know, really having this thing with Jesus, and then something comes along and just takes you right off track, right? See that little line, it goes boom off the other side. And uh, it's discipline. God says, you can do anything you want. Go ahead. You're not free of the consequences. I actually have designed life with natural consequences so that you would actually see them and bounce off of them and it would redirect you back to me. You follow this? So the idea um, of coming to Christ and seeing him is not only coming and saying, that's great, I'm going to heaven and, you know, you know, surf on the kind of glory of God or something. I don't know what people think as Christians, but we get comfortable, comfortable. And in the process, we neglect 
the disciplines, and somehow we find ourselves bouncing off discipline. Good. Rough times, storms, craziness, dilemmas. There, there is no magic miracle bubble wrap. Miracles, yes. Bubble wrap, no. So we uh, find ourselves saying, boy, did I get myself in trouble. Out of which we turn back to God. Some people are even in jail for that. And then we find that this is the way to go. And we go that way. And we go that way a little longer. And then something else bumps us off. Do you see this up and down? This is the walk of faith. This is the adventure. I mean, if it's flatline, then you're dead. Right? Your heart beats always up and down, up and down, up and down. Hopefully, this is life. So if you think that we come to a point of what's called sinless perfection, that is to say, I have arrived. I am like the ultimate spiritual guru. Whatever you need to know, I've got it for you. Um, you're a fool. Because who needs God then? You're God. I hope you hear what I'm saying. This is the continual walk until we die. But it's a good one. It's an adventure. It really gives perspective on everything that happens to us. Everything. Well, um, I wanted to give a couple of examples. One is a quickie. Ooh, um, yeah. I see I have eight minutes and I would never go over time. Unless I get carried away. But then they'll probably drop me into the orchestra pit, which I almost did the first service. Um, I enjoy uh, motorcycles. You all know that. Um, and uh, so Glenda and I had gone camping uh, out by 11 Mile, very pretty area. We have beautiful places here in Colorado. And so I have, we have a trailer that we stay in, but I have a buddy ramp that goes, puts my bike up on the back of the truck, and then I can offload it and drive around to whatever, Cripple Creek. I said, Glenda, I see on the map maybe a shortcut. It looks to me like off of Highway 24 is a little like shortcut going direct north. It's kind of this county road three. And if it goes straight about 16, 18 miles, it actually intersects in, into Highway 67. And it might just cut a lot of time off. So I'm going to see what that looks like on my motorcycle. So I did Saturday about two months ago. And the, the road was paved for three miles. Then it turned non-paved, nicely maintained. Then it turned not so nicely maintained. And then as I was going down it, it got really ruddy and crazy, but it was beautiful. The aspen were falling, the leaves were falling, and I, I mountain bike also. So I'm thinking, wow, I am like mountain biking on a motorcycle. This is amazing. Am I having a good time? And I was, except then I got about 16 miles on the road, and it, it was just a stop. It said road closed. Uh, but the sign had blown over. So I stopped to see, did it really say road closed? And it did. And then I thought, well, it's blown over. Maybe somebody tipped it over because actually the road is now open. <laughs> and so I walked about a half a mile down the road to see, is it open or closed? It looks good to me. I mean, and so I thought, well, maybe I can just keep going. And I did uh, for about a mile and a half. And then I saw that the road was washed out by the Heyman fire. It was just no more road. I turned around, and you've got to understand this is not a mountain bike. This is a 760-pound Harley bike. And uh, the only people that were on these roads were like ATVers and, you know, people walking. You, you don't ride a motorcycle on this. So I came back, and I knew that as I was heading uphill, there was gravel and loose, you know, pea gravel. 
And I thought, well, I've got to carry an inertia. You've got to keep moving, you know, so you can get over that. And I kept moving, but it sucked me in the black hole, and I went down. No big deal. I picked the bike up before by myself. So I did, and I started it up, put it in gear, nothing. And I looked behind me, and the, uh, the belt that connects to the rear wheel was 10 feet behind me. The, uh, you know, the, the rocks had gotten in there and just tore the belt off. Oh, fine fix I'm in. So now I'm saying, Lord, this is really not very funny. I, I pray. I pray for safety. I pray for your intervention. I pray you don't have me do stupid stuff. And here I am now, 16 half, 17 miles down a road that no one travels. No one's ever going to find me. I have to walk all the way back to Florissant. And I don't think that's very funny. Where were you? I mean, honestly, and this is what I'm talking about. And, I, and uh, it was as if God said, George, what was it? About road closed signs that you did not understand. <laughs> and you know, when you think about that, that's the way it works here. God, we know when we're going by and we're, we're going over and beyond something that we ought not to travel. I knew that. A road closed sign. But our fantasy, our imagination says, let me test it. Sometimes we get away with it. But because God loves us, Hebrews chapter 12 said, he whom God loves, he disciplines. There you go. So, so finally I came back and I said, Lord, you're right. Uh, this was a foolish thing for me to do, and I deserve to walk 16 miles. <laughs> and, and so I was. And I thought, but Lord, it should be nice if you brought someone along to help me. And so uh, three ATVers showed up after three miles. And I said, hey, you know, I might drop my bike and could you give me a ride into Florissant? They said, well, we're not going that way. See you later. <laughs> so um, there I am again walking. I walked six, six and a half miles and I said, Lord, it would really be nice if I could, you know, it's going to take me all day to walk to Florissant. I mean, if that's what I have to do uh, to learn my lesson, I guess I will. <sighs> but this guy came rumbling along in his truck. And he lived out there. And he uh, you know, came to a screeching halt at the dust. And uh, I said, I'll pay you 20 bucks if you take me into a fluorescent. And he said, oh, hop in. And so he had this great big dog, Jack. Jack had never been washed in his life. So Jack, like me, <laughs> hopped in my lap. And I said, Ugh. you know, the sacrifice I had to make. But he took me in. We connected with Glenda. We reconnect, uh, get the truck out 16 miles down. I have a buddy ramp. But there's just two of us. And I have a come along. And uh, I'm thinking we're still not going to get this heavy bike into my truck unless we get more people. Now, guess what happens? We, another vehicle comes along. Three people in it. And they said, need some help? Whew, yeah, sure do. And after this all happened, I thought, I said to this guy, I think it was Tom Moore. I said, Tom, what's the probability of you coming along this time? Uh, one in a million. What's the probability of three other people, when we needed them, showing up on this road? He said, I have no idea. Could it be that we see this illustration that God wants to protect us, love us? He's attempting to say, I'm with you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. At times, you're going to have to bounce off of uh, the consequences of your own bad choices. But if you'll come back to me, I'll come through for you. Could it be that simple? I think it is. 
And I think that illustration, as I think of it now, I shared it with a lot of other people. Um, and it's a picture of what, how God works in this process. The Bible would call it sanctification, setting us, our lives apart for Christ. I want to become more like you. What does that mean? What does it take? Well, specifically, the disciplines and uh, dis- discipline. Well, we're almost there. Got one more minute. Um, legacy. This has been a theme in the church, but it's a very powerful theme because it's a test of whether we walk humbly or do not walk humbly. And, and legacy is what you want to leave behind. And that's a picture of uh, a T-28. And uh, in the Navy, as I went through my flight training, uh, there are 200 hours that I spent in the T-28. It's a very powerful World War II fighter. Big 1,460 horsepower, huh? you know, plane. But it needs RPM power, and it needs wind. And this heavy plane, when it goes down the runway, it actually will uh, go into the air at approximately between 50 and 60 knots, depending on the weight. That's very slow. And it means that it's got a lot of power. Now, the Bible says that Paul, Paul says of himself, the good that I should do, I don't. The evil I shouldn't do, that I do. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this carcass of sin. Thanks be to God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is therefore no more condemnation, Romans chapter 8 says, for those in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was rendered powerless by sin, Christ did. What did he do? Well, it's like the law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity. But you need two things, RPM, power, and wind. The Holy Spirit is symbolic of the wind, and he is the one that gives us the power to leave a legacy. But the way it's measured, biblically, Old and New Testament, are three simple ways. Relationships, power, and money. That's legacy. In my relationships, do my kids see Christ in me? Or do they see somebody who uh, does a nice religious trick on Sunday mornings and it doesn't seem to be relevant the rest of the week? Um, They're watching me. And uh, they're seeing, do I believe this? Do I live this? Or that's relationship. The other is... Selfish. Well, I'm going to throw a little uh, curve to you. I hope I don't offend anybody. But um, I've been reading a book. It's called Sex Slash God. Sounds pretty interesting, huh? In the book, he says uh, the word sex comes from a Latin word, secar. S-E-C-A-R-E. Secar. You know what the word means? It means amputate, cut off. It means like section, dissect, bisect. It really means disconnected. Isn't that interesting? Sex, disconnected. So I think our sexuality was designed by God to be connected with him, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But uh, we live in a fallen world. I don't know if you notice. And uh, so we get preoccupied with being disconnected and then trying to find a way to reconnect, and it's normally futile and unhealthy. Either goes the fantasy route 
or perhaps a touch of intimacy, but the idea of relationship is foreign to the world in which you and I live. Interesting, huh? Could it be that God has much more for our legacy? I'll give you a practical outworking of this. Our son David uh, is engaged. Met a girl on eBay. He met her on eHarmony. I just wanted to see if you're listening. And she is a wonderful gal and a believer, beautiful. I'll tell you, she said to him, I, won't, I don't kiss. Five dates and I won't kiss. And then after that, I mean, it's hands off. And uh, he loved that about her. And so his friends say, you know, after a while, if you're engaged, why don't you just move in? You know, check it out. And he said to his friends, you know, these are friends that are, not, you know, they're pretty worldly. He said, uh, I can't do that because I have, there are three of us in the relationship, which kind of stumped his friend. He said, yeah, it's me, her, and my, our relationship with God. And what I believe that God wants, he says to his friends, is that for, for the two of us to learn to become friends, build a friendship, a relationship, connect. You see, you can be connectional without being sex, I mean, having sex. Whoa, Interesting. In fact, a lot of people that are celibate are sexual because they're connectional, if you hear what I'm saying. Biblically, that's the whole point of it. And obviously, the, the sexual, physical intimacy is a part of the picture between a man and a woman who are in love and married. Why settle for anything less? Well, that's up to you, but this is relationship that's connected. We also have power. Power, I and mean, all of these are misused in the church, by the way. That's why Micah addressed it. In the religious community, uh, there was abuse of relationships and, and misrepresenting God. In the area of power, there was control, but there was no uh, humility. Uh, power is a great tool for me to manipulate you. And, and the church does it well. And I call it spiritual ripoffs. We rip you off. I think we're learning here to do that less and less. But let's face it, the church is filled with flawed people that are attempting to grow in Christ. And I hope we are growing in Christ and money. We can abuse easily. And on the other hand, though, the giving is the last question. Lord, I give because I want to say, how can I say thank you to you? If, if you give of your time, your talent, your treasure, and don't have that as the bottom line, uh, you'll finally run out of gas. I came here yesterday. Uh, the, the people are working on the set. I thought, that's a lot of work. The whole Christmas show is a lot of work. I thought, ooh, why did they do that? Well, I would think they're trying to leave a legacy. They want to build a set that's beautiful. The people that are in the program want to present the gospel. To people that wouldn't necessarily grasp it unless it's presented initially sort of in a way they can catch it and then the real gospel. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. Why would they do that? Well, the only reason I can think of is that they want to leave a legacy in relationship, power, and money. They could have done something. It was a beautiful day yesterday. They could have done many other things. I commend them. But please, when you serve or whatever you do, do it because the legacy is for Christ you know, not necessarily to please other people. Well, I'm done. I'm, oh, gosh, I'm over. I had to. Um, Advent. 
This is uh, the beginning of a brand new adventure for some of you. If you will suddenly decide to take yourself off of the rat race and on to Christ. And then uh, I'm letting you know that if you're not involved in a class at 930, uh, I'd invite you to ours. And uh, next, you know, every, every 930, we have a class called Discipleship for Dummies. And it's all ages. If you're not in a class and you or maybe didn't feel like you fit into the class you were at, come to this one, choir room, 930. I hope I've given you something to think about because this to me is the cutting edge of life and adventure. Would you, by the way, I want to have you seriously consider buying tickets as you head out the door so that others, I mean, the whole theme biblically is blessed to be a blessing. Who is it that I could invite? Who is it that would really benefit? Would I be willing to buy a bunch of tickets and bring them? Out of this, could it be possible this could be the key that would open the door that they could actually find the Christ that I love? Then what's twelve and a half bucks? Oh, think about it. Lord, we bow our heads before you. Hopefully your word again challenges us to get on your track. If there's anybody here that's never committed their life to Christ, that they are very aware of the fact that they are being convicted of, number one, being just lost, and uh, that they're just disconnected from you. And uh, that's a conviction of sin, maybe even a sense of guilt, because we have violated you in so many ways. So, Lord, uh, if you're working that, uh, may they have a change of heart this morning and turn their life over to you. If that's you, would you in the quiet of your heart say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to become my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me because only you can and to fill me. Well, I'm, not, I'm now on a new track. Everyone that's decided there, that's just the beginning. But the real test is, uh, am I willing to allow you to weave the disciplines of life uh, and to truly follow you and to truly um, become more like you? Am I seeing that every day in my life, or have I stagnated? So, Lord, weave the disciplines into our lives, and uh, let us be aware of how you discipline to correct. May we be grateful for it and not resentful. And finally, uh, as we look at legacy, what do we want to leave behind? How do we want to be remembered as a couch potato, um, as a, a selfish, preoccupied with me person? Uh, I guess that's a legacy. Or do we want to be remembered as people that are building a relationship, care about other people, and want others to see Christ through them? People that uh, may have power and great authority and great wealth, but they're willing to give it up. And the people that just want to figure out a way to say thank you. Well, that's a legacy. And um, we're grateful that these are the ways uh, we can actually, in a practical way, have this adventure. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance, his sweet smile upon you, send you in his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Get some tickets on the way out.